0: A start on demand. on demand
1: The debate continues over whether or not the city of Winnipeg should cough up more cash for the Portage Place redevelopment. Downtown Winnipeg biz hopes they do, and City Councillor Kevin Klein says the city has to do it because we need to invest in our future. We're moving at last, getting ready to move downtown to 201 Portage as of Sunday. So that got us having a conversation about moving, specifically, what are your moving fails? Surely you have a story about something going wrong during a past move. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who is on vacation. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, July 23rd podcast for the start. Very much, Tristan Field Jones. Yeah, gonna miss this microphone arm. We'll explain why in a second. It's Mackling and McGarry. <laughs> McNabb is on vacation. Greg, I gotta fall on the sword in the hopes that uh, somebody in management is listening.
0: <laughs> oh, what happened
1: yesterday after mm-hmm. the show? Richard says to me, Richard Cloutier, co-host of the news with Julie Buckingham, four to seven weekdays on 680 CJOB. Richard says, are you part of this training downtown at 11? And I immediately panic because I got a golf bag over my arm. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) golfing. And uh, I said, I I don't know. I I didn't see a note on that. He says, well, check your calendar. Should be in there. So I checked. There's nothing. So I thought, okay, maybe there's a training session forthcoming. I don't know. So I go golfing. Have a great day. And then uh, this morning I'm searching for emails as related to the fact that we are moving downtown next week. And I find a note from one of our managers from last Friday when I was off asking if we needed a training refresh. And then on that, and then there was a follow-up note saying that there was training scheduled for Wednesday at 11. Me, Richard, and our colleague Sky. Uh, oh boy. So I just straight up whiffed, didn't see the notes, and I just went golfing. And uh, <laughs> Jeff Forte also missed the oh, note. Guilty, <laughs> guilty. <laughs> he <was> oh, no. <laughs> you both was, missed it. <laughs> He was supposed to be there at 1.30. So neither of us saw this note. So oh. I missed the training. So I don't know if I'm going to – I mean, I think I've got it. But, but uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, bosses, I'm sorry. I just completely missed it. I wasn't ignoring it. I just missed it. But,
0: yes. Mm-hmm. We're moving will downtown we, next week, Greg. Will we be on the air on Monday morning, I guess is the question, will based we, on the fact that both you and Jeff missed the training. I'm not here on Monday anyhow, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Are you going on holidays for You've You finally taking some time off? Just tomorrow and Monday. Going to go to the okay. lake. Attaboy. Which oh, lake? Good for you, bud. Just Winnipeg Beach. Okay, nice. But, yeah, so we're.
1: I think I'm not actually sure which day uh, we start downtown. But, yeah, we're moving downtown next week. So that, so that got us thinking about moving fails because I think most of us have a story or two to tell about things that have gone awry, things that have gone wrong when we have moved. So you can share your stories at 204-780-6868. We're going to have a conversation about that at 645. Greg, you have moved a lot of times in your life uh
0: 32 times i think it is before i got married wow wow 32 times in 35 years of course i was a child for for many of those moves but uh yeah it's a lot of packing and unpacking i guess it's appropriate i ended up in the radio business isn't that a line from the theme song from WKRP in Cincinnati. Is it? What? It's a, it's got tired of packing and unpacking. If I'm not mistaken. (laughs) I don't remember. I'd have to pull it up. (laughs) Perhaps. Well, you're good at that. So uh, why don't you do that? Oh, we'll
1: get Jeff Forte to play us some WKRP on the way out. Uh, But also on the subject of moving Greg, we're going to have a conversation today at nine Oh six, which you have labeled on our schedule. Good luck finding a house. What's going on?
0: Well, houses are flying off the shelf. If they were uh, macaroni and cheese, we'd be in a panic right now because uh, houses are selling at a record pace. It was just this time last week that the Manitoba Real Estate Association announced it was the busiest month in the history of real estate in Manitoba. Uh, That goes back to 1980. It doesn't go back to... You know any longer than that since they kept track of these things but uh, absolutely unprecedented in terms of the number of properties changing hands right now and the return of the dreaded bidding war has been a part of of the real estate market for all oh, going on about three months now and uh, so we're going to talk to a gentleman who has been looking for a house has put his name put a pen to paper pressed hard three times pressed hard because there's three copies rather and uh on an offer several times and come up with nothing in fact uh a friend of ours whose name i will keep out of this conversation bid on a house last month His offer was $51,000 over the asking price. Come on. He was one of 15 bids on the house and he did not get it. What?
1: Yes, sir. $51,000. I remember when I bid, when I got my house in 2010. Or 2011, I can't remember. Uh, but part, no, you you're guys. trying to
0: forget. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> but uh,
1: we bid. There were seven bids on the house, and we bid 20 over. And mm-hmm. uh, it turns out we got it. Uh, right. So I thought that was an aggressive bid, but 51000 and still yeah. did not get the house.
0: Yeah, still didn't get it. So uh, lots of stories like that. If you have one of your own, we'd love to hear from you. 204-780-6868. There were no shortage of people for me to reach out to yesterday on fairly short notice. In fact, I was golfing myself yesterday when I got a note as to... Uh, some of the plans around here today, and this is gonna be one of our featured stories. And uh, yeah, within about 45 minutes, I reached out to no less than three people uh, in an attempt to get them on the air for today. So Scott Angus will will join us just after nine o'clock and share his story of whoa. And as far as the golf goes, where were you golfing yesterday? So is that Rossmere, man, is it in good shape. I was at the Michaelworth, Memorial tournament. I saw my buddy, Steve worth yesterday. He goes, you trying to get rid of me, man. I said, well, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, no. He said, well, I heard you yesterday and thanks for the shout out. And I know you have a good time. I've been emceeing this tournament for uh, five of the six years yesterday. Uh, there was no formal banquet afterwards. Like we, we usually have, well, it's more of an informal banquet where we give away all the prizes and whatnot. Uh, yeah, I use Steve's name instead of Michael's uh, when I was telling you what I was up to yesterday. So, Steve, I love you like a brother. You know that. I don't want you going anywhere. Yesterday we spent the day in honor of Michael Worth uh, for for the – I can't believe it's been five years since Michael left us. So it was a great day, but – you know your team's in trouble when uh, Mackling's uh, carrying most of the weight. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> I was the strong golfer on our team, so uh, we're waiting to hear if we uh, won the most honest golf team <laughs> at the tournament. You know what they're saying?
1: <laughs> yeah, that means you guys weren't very good. Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is away on vacation. She'll be back in just over a week. What? What was that?
0: Greg, are you there? I'm here. Okay. I'm <laughs> reading a text message story. Did I? Did I <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Some just just right in the middle of my sentence, just blah.
1: That was an exaggeration. It sounded like you were choking, to be honest. Especially well, I, when, I, when you didn't to, react. I'm holding
0: back the laughter here because this story is crazy.
1: Okay, well, we'll get to that in a second here because we want to talk about moving fails. We're getting ready to move downtown to 201 Portage. It was a move that was supposed to happen back in March, March 23rd to be exact, but they had to hold us here at Polo Park for safety purposes because of the pandemic. So we are getting ready to move, and that got me thinking about moving fails. So if you have a story at 204-780-6868, send them to us. Greg has one in the chamber. We will get to it in a moment. But first, let's start with Kelly Moore. Kelly, do you have a story for us?
2: Well, actually, a lot of the moves have have gone fairly smoothly. But I do know uh, when we left Winnipeg the first time and we were moving back to Kamloops, We uh, wanted the moving company to uh, put our extra fridge in the basement, and it did not go as smoothly as it probably should have. There were steps and then a narrow doorway, (laughs) and uh, uh, so first off, after the uh, fridge slipped uh, on a couple of stairs and just about crushed one of the movers at the bottom of the stairway. Oh, my God. Then it got wedged into the doorway, so they had to remove the door frame to get it in there. Does that count as a fail?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. There's always, it seems to me there's always at least one thing that goes wrong. But Tristan Field-Jones, you're telling me that of, of all the times you've moved, and you haven't moved that often, I think three times, but you're telling me not a single thing has ever gone wrong
3: no not really I mean a couple dishes broken but that's to be expected stuff happens but no nothing major nothing like you know w- what is this set of chemicals doing as part of my
2: move or whatever it is nothing like ridiculous like that so no well you're exciting <laughs> Well, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't tolerate anything going wrong anyway would you
3: thank you Kelly Moore there's the secret right there the people who move for me know that uh, I do not tolerate incompetence or failure <laughs>
4: Jeff Forte, what about you? <laughs> Me too. I've only moved once. Okay. And uh, everything went pretty smoothly, except I, I did lose a uh, pillowcase. That's it? Don't know where it went. We must have dropped it outside of the building. It's probably blown away
0: blown away somewhere. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's in gone. a tree somewhere right now. <laughs> That's what I think. It's a, It was a white one. Uh, so now I have two different white pillowcases on my bed.
1: Well, if that is the worst thing that happened in your oh. move, that's pretty good. But Greg, this story that uh, was sent
0: to us at 204 6868 let's hear it. It's from Vince. He says, a few years ago, my brother was helping a friend move on the free giveaway weekend. They moved a bunch of stuff from the apartment to the lawn outside waiting for the truck. They go back up. To get more stuff, oh. they look out the window and someone is carrying their couch down the side. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Did they get it back? Yeah, I texted Vince back. I said, "Hey, oh my,
2: did they get it back? Oh yeah, it all worked out." But uh, you know, that's that's a funny story for sure. And yeah, mine calendar, involves a coach. That's ca- hey? that's calendar awareness, eh, Greg? I mean, yeah, no
0: kidding, <laughs> calendar awareness. Speaking of calendar, I looked it up. Uh, the Jets' third game, five forty-five on Tuesday, August the fourth. Uh, we were talking about that uh, before we came on, Kelly, uh, with regard to the the Jets Flames playing series. My story involves a coach also. So I uh, lived in Calgary for a few years and then, uh, well, I don't need to get in the details as to why I had to put my stuff into storage, but I gave my mom a couch and love seat and a couple other things. So uh, my brother Chris and her drove out from Boyzavane in a pickup truck. They collected uh, said items. She called me back uh, the day after she got home in tears because apparently one of the cushions of the couch flew off at some point between calgary and boys of vain and she knew i was coming and she asked would you keep an eye open for it (laughs) yes mom for 13 hours i will keep my eyes open (laughs) for a couch cushion (laughs) so never was able to find the couch cushion clearly so i had to take the couch into a fabric shop where they cut a piece of fabric from the back of the couch and built a new seat cushion and then replaced the back fabric on the couch with something completely different. And they tried to match it best they could. But that was uh, our adventure with the uh, missing couch cushion. Wow, that is quite the
1: story. I wonder wonder where, where where it ended up. Mine also involves a couch. I was moving into... Uh, duplex on St. Matthews uh, 11 years ago and we uh, the, the two young movers who were moving us they showed up at our uh, Osborne Village apartment a bit later than anticipated uh, they said that their previous move was way, they had way more stuff than they said they had. They, 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 they gave them an estimate. Like we, they said we had this much stuff and the, the guys estimated how much time it would take and clearly it took them way longer. So they were already tired. And it was, it was a Friday afternoon at this point. So these, they're young guys, they're already thinking it's Friday. We got to get this done. And uh, they, when they got our couch into the, this, the apartment cause it, we had to go up to the second floor of this house, they said, this isn't going to fit. Like, I'm just looking from floor to ceiling. We're not even you know, be, going to be able to get this couch through this opening and then up the stairs. And they wouldn't even try. They just said, it's not going to work. And they pulled out tape measure and showed me. And they weren't jerks about it. They just said, this isn't going to work, dude. And I said, well, what, what am I supposed to do? Because I had no storage. I had no, nowhere to put it. And they said, well, we can take it back to our warehouse and store it there until you figure something out. So we left it there for, I think, a month. Uh, because at this point, it was 9 o'clock on Friday. These guys were done. And uh, eventually, after a month, we went and got it and just tried it ourselves. And sure enough, it fit no problem. And then when we moved out and used a different moving company, those guys got that couch out in all of three seconds. So I think these guys, honestly, I think these guys just didn't want to. They thought it might be a challenge. And it was a challenge getting it up the stairs, but they just didn't want to try it. They wanted to go get their drink on, I'm sure. So, hey, well, we whatever. we're done. Yeah. And... Uh, You get what you pay for, I guess, in that particular case. Your moving fails, and, um, or, you know, moving fails almost implies something funny, but just your moving stories of things going wrong, and uh, Rick has shared quite the story here, Greg.
0: I count no less than seven exclamation marks in this text message. And it's not a funny story at all, but uh, hopefully the people who are are affected uh, by this have recovered by now. Not my story, but a friend's story, Rick says. You moved from Northern Manitoba to Headingley. I called him to see how things were going. He said, I'm just hanging out with the fire department. I asked why? He said, when the moving truck was backing into the driveway, it hit a hydro line and the truck caught on fire with everything he owned oh my God. still on the truck.
1: Oh that is just what terrible. A disaster. Oh man, that's that's just awful. Uh Sarah, meanwhile, says, I hate moving. I've only had to do it twice. I look around my house. And all the stuff I've accumulated, the thought of having to pack it all up gives me nightmares. So I always say if I ever have to move again, I'm selling the house and the contents. I'll just get new stuff. <laughs> uh, well, good luck in that if you ever have to move because what if they don't want your stuff? Uh, what do you do with that stuff if you buy a house and you, it's all there? You just burn it?
0: I don't know. Hey, uh, apparently like uh, cottages, that's super common is it really when you sell a cottage is to yeah like all the contents like obviously you remove your personal effects but uh quite often the dishes and the furniture all come with the cottage not always but quite often that's the way they get sold
1: Mackling and McGarry, McNabb on vacation, as you heard right here on the start yesterday morning at this time. The city of Winnipeg will likely chip in more cash for the redevelopment of Portage Place, according to Mayor Brian Bowman. Provided that's
5: passed by council, uh, obviously all eyes will will shift to the federal government to see if they will meet the $20 million request from the developer.
1: Here's Global News reporter Eric Pandera with more. A huge $390 million redevelopment of Portage Place Mall
6: hangs in the balance. As developer Starlight Investments says, without all three
1: levels of government putting down twenty million dollars each, the deal is dead. Gino Dastasio, de University of Winnipeg, joined the news yesterday evening and tries to put it into perspective. His view on how monumental this development could be for downtown.
6: Well, I think it's an important piece of a very long history of, of redevelopment uh, in partnership with government and industry that it takes us back to the nineteen eighties. So. Revamping Portage Place today is about as equal to developing the forks in the 1980s. It, it's, it's that big of a deal, I think, and we've got a good plan in place here, but we do need to do our work here to figure out what, what is the best path for everybody to, uh, to make this project work.
0: Up to three motions to up the city ante on the city's contribution could be coming to the floor of Winnipeg City Hall today. We'll visit with City Councillor Kevin Klein in just a few minutes to discuss that further. Kate Fensky is CEO of the Downtown Winnipeg Biz. She joins us now. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. Why do you see this as such a critical crossroads for the future of our downtown, if you're in fact seeing it that way?
7: yeah i've heard you know this project being called once in a generation it really is transformational not only for our downtown but it could be for the entire city when we look at the investment uh, that the developers are proposing and what the plans look like it includes residential 500 units and what's really interesting i think about that piece is when you look at what we've been facing downtown in the last few months with the pandemic you know, downtown businesses, their primary customer base is downtown workers. With people still working at home and and expecting a shift there, it really is going to be key for us to have more people living downtown. And there are many people who want to live downtown, but they might not have the price point or the options they're looking for. They might be looking for a two or three bedroom for their family, something more affordable. Um, And so I think that's what this project can do. So the residential component is so key, but also the community space that the developers have committed to. So ten thousand square feet a community space 24 7 public restrooms there really isn't a safe place in our downtown core where people can connect and gather there's community centers all over our city but there's a big hole right over uh, downtown
1: richard mentioned yesterday there are other players like the bay watching what happens here with this deal what do you know about other dominoes that could fall if this development is approved
7: well, you know, you look sort of what, what recent past history has shown us So, with the investment of True North Square and what that generated. You know, while Nisa has announced it's building a new tower with its head office uh, next door, Sutton Place Hotel is going in. And you see what's happening at 300 Main, which is going to be our tallest building in Winnipeg. Um, you know, 10 years ago, you, you were lucky to see a crane, and now we're seeing five or six so something this big and this this transformational can really have that domino effect where it could change Portage Avenue for the future.
0: Seeing all sorts of letters of support this morning uh, from yourself endorsing this project uh, as a little bit, I won't call it a plea, but just... Another eye opening message for city council to reconsider where they're coming from on this. Kevin Klein has sent me letters uh, from the Y, from True North, amongst other downtown patrons and residents. And, you know, they're all behind this project because, you know, I think there was a sense, Kate, and and I doubt you were old enough to, to remember this if you were even around, but I am old enough to remember the first decision around building Portage Place and all the hand-wringing that went into that and it was really they were looking for a home run the one answer to save downtown well here we are 40 years later we know there's not one single answer there's not one thing that's going to make downtown better but this is a big piece of a, of a of a of a of a of a smaller puzzle
7: i i agree this piece is really huge and when you look at Um, You know, what the benefits are for everyone, as we talked about, that's really important. What I am, and I would say it's a plea. I absolutely would. I would be, you know, I'd be walking around and asking anyone um, that, that has a say in this to make this happen. Um, I, I think it would be so disappointing if we missed out on this investment. It is one of the most complicated deals when you look at you know, who owns the land and the various stakeholders in government and who owns the building. This isn't just the renovation of a mall. That's not what we're talking about here. It is really shifting that land. There's more investment in the streetscape, in the public realm. There's knocking out the wall to open back up the streets again, taking it back to where you know we think it should be. Right? I don't think a mall is the right fit for our downtown so it, it's bringing people, it's bringing community, it's offering that safe space. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, if the, the motions that are going forward, if it will be enough. My concern always is, you know, there's always an ask on the table. And if you don't meet that ask, you hope the project still can move forward. It might not. But if if you're coming part way, do we risk losing things? Do we risk losing that community space? Do we risk losing moving the skywalk out and really having eyes on the street? You have to ask yourself those questions, and I think um, it's been challenging because there hasn't been a lot of time for dialogue in our city on this project um, when we first heard what the proposal was coming from the city.
1: Kate Fenske is CEO of Downtown Winnipeg Biz, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Kate, thank you very much for the time. Much appreciated.
7: Thank you, and my fingers are crossed.
1: Greg, when it comes to one of the bigger pieces of property downtown, there is talk of putting more cash into a property so someone new can move into Portage Place.
0: Yeah, it would be a transformative project to basically take Portage Place from a shopping mall to to more of a community place, a place where people could live. Two towers containing rental properties uh, for up to 500 people in our city. one of our listeners texting, hey, will uh, you or any of the city councilors be moving downtown because of this Portage Place? Well, it's something that's on my radar. And until there's a critical mass of people, Kevin Klein is city councilor for Charleswood. And Kevin, I'll just finish my thought here. Until there's that critical mass of people, and we're getting so close to it in my mind, for amenities, for safety, uh, downtown will remain a, lesser, uh, a less satisfactory option for a lot of people here in Winnipeg when so many cities across North America, their downtowns are burgeoning with people wanting to live in them. And, and Portage Places is, is a key component of that that move to make downtown Winnipeg more livable.
6: I couldn't agree more. I think that you uh, have nailed it right on, the, uh, right on the head there. This is not uh, about bricks and mortars. This is about a community development. That's really what this is. When we're talking about, you know, the revitalization of downtown, and you spoke of it, and I think Richard Cloutier spoke of it, what will come after this? That's what we've got to look at. That's the vision we have to have. We can't look at this and simply say, oh, we're going to give this company $20 million. No, we're making an investment, and we are going to get much more in return than $20 million. I can't, I, I'm excited about the future when I think about this opportunity.
1: Councilor, uh, you know, Council is set to vote later today on whether to chip in $11.3 million. Mayor Brian Bowman told us that yesterday, that the uh, offer was going to go up from $5 million to eleven point three. But our question of the day, uh, Kevin Klein, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Do you think the city should pitch in more money to help fund the Portage Place Redevelopment Project? And uh, overwhelming, uh, no, 75%? of what, of people who have voted on this say no what's your reaction to that
6: well, I, you know, first of all, I, I appreciate everybody's opinion, but we have to look at this again, not from a $20 million check going to a large company. They're going to be investing at the end of the day, because prices change, let's call it half a billion dollars, $500 million, and it's going to change our downtown. When you drive into downtown now, imagine what that's going to look like. And if we're going to be a big city, like we talk about, we have to start acting like a big city. And you know, jurisdictions are Across North America offer many, many subsidies and all kinds of incentives to attract business, but I want to correct you on one thing if I can for a moment. Um, we do have the motion for eleven uh, million, but we 've heard from starlight that 's not going to do it they 're walking. So that's why I had to put in an alternative motion, and I'm hoping that I'll get council support with that. I have a lot of milestones in my motion that they have to achieve. There has to be a minimum amount of affordable housing, the community center, bathrooms 24-7, 365 days a year. Uh, lots of these things that they have promised in there for $18 million, And then doing a little bit of trade, if you will, by saying, you know, we'll uh, do up to 1.5, maybe $2 million in your permits to help with that Process and and I understand that uh, Starlight will uh, will sign the dotted line with that deal and we'll start moving forward, but they won't sign it at the eleven point five million. And remember, <laughs> they did that, but it's over twenty years. That's that doesn't help any organization.
0: Right. And so uh, just uh, with regard to the aesthetics, and I, I think um, we didn't get a chance to talk to Mayor Bowman about this yesterday, but how do you put a price tag on a, a changing face for Portage Avenue? Like you say, when you go through there now, Portage Place is not a place, it's not a destination right now. It's a place you go to if you have to. You don't go, go there on purpose For in a lot of respects. With no disrespect to people who actually do that, but it, it is not a place that is very welcoming to to Winnipeggers.
6: No, I agree. I think that uh, it's time to change that, and I think we've heard from others uh, how important it is to change. But look at the. Aside from that, look at the benefits. Let's look at the long term: four hundred and eleven million dollars of wages and business earnings, and six hundred ninety-eight million of economic activity with construction and development. So over ten years, this project will uh, create three point six billion billion dollars in new economic activity just this now add to that what you're saying the more attractive the more people living downtown the more stores it becomes more of a destination the snowball starts to uh grow and it continues rolling down the hill and it will roll faster with this development so again i i understand it's taxpayers money but we're saying in my motion that will give you the 18 million but it's going to be on completion of Tower 1 and then you get some on Tower 2 and then you'll get some on the completion of the Edmonton Square so we're really partnering with them because the benefits, the payoff to us as much as the Mayor and and everyone is talking about ROI, they're they're not looking at it properly. It's not just a return on your investment from a money standpoint but look at it from a social standpoint and this is the right thing to do. We need this. We need to make a, a bold decision today show that we have vision, and and go all in. I'm not willing to bet our city's future on $8 million.
1: City Councilor Kevin Klein joining us live on 680 CJOB. Councilor, thank you for the time as always, sir. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you, and I I hope I win that pizza. I love Santa Lucia. (laughs) Okay, well, take your (laughs) shot at 845, sir. Get yourself, uh, uh, what would you get, Greg? Yours is shrimp and bacon, right?
0: That's correct, and it, it has to be side bacon. Back bacon doesn't cut it with the shrimp. They just don't mesh nicely.
1: Thank you very much, Tristan Field-Jones, Mackling & McGarry. McNabb is on vacation. If you are looking to purchase a house in Manitoba, you might be up against some stiff competition, as the market, you could say, can be described as pistol-hot
0: Mm -hmm. It was last Thursday, Brett, you were still on holidays. The Manitoba real estate association announced the 20, uh, pardon me that they had sold 2015 residential properties in our province. It was the highest number of sales in a single month on record that goes back, uh, 40 years when they started keeping track of such things, residential property sales in June, 2020 accounted for $616.1 million in total volume, an increase of over 23% as compared to June 2019 sales. That's great news for the Manitoba economy. And I think it's a great indication of the confidence many people seem to have in our province, in our economy, in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic.
1: But it's not good news for everyone. The excitement of buying a new home is being tempered by the multiple offers or bidding war scenarios playing out around many listings in Winnipeg and one such person searching for a home, Scott Angus, who joins us now live on the start. Scott, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How uh, how's everybody over there? We're doing okay, man. We're doing okay. Good. So, how many houses have you found that you've been compelled to put an offer on
3: well i you know i i I don't know i think we've we've probably been to 12 15 houses slash open houses and then we've put bids on my wife and i would put bids on three houses so far
0: so obviously denied all three times. Tell us about the emotional roller coaster that goes with that because I love to go to open houses, not because I'm necessarily in the market, but I start placing my furniture in these places. So what's it like when when you've found a place that you're thinking, yeah, we'd really like to live here. Let's put pen to paper and then you don't get the house. Well, well, the
3: first one for sure is, is <laughs> was like that. And and kind of being 0 for 3, like you, you kind of, you step in to the house and like you mentioned, Greg, like you you put your life pretty much into this house and then you go through the process and then you either find out immediately that you, you weren't even close or you were really close and you're like, oh, should I bid just a little bit more? And so each time it's, it's heartbreaking, but, you know, I think you we've kind of gotten uh, you don't really get used to it, but we've gotten a little bit more uh, tougher, I guess, if you, if you can say.
1: So, are, uh, can you tell us, like, give us some numbers, or is that I don't want to be snoopy? But I'm curious to know, like, <laughs> how, like, what are how are you? First of all, when you put in your bids, yeah. uh, how how much over asking have you been putting in?
3: Yeah, so we've, uh, you know, if you want to be competitive right now, I find like in the price range that we're we're kind of in, it's the most competitive price range. It's kind of that at starter home price range. And, uh, and so if you want to be competitive on a bid right now, you, you, you almost have to go at least, at least 20, sometimes even up to fifty, fifty thousand 50,000 over asking how much from 20 to 50,000 over asking to be kind of, I mean, it depends on the house, but we, uh, the last one we, we put in, uh, I'd say 27 over asking and we didn't get it. Didn't get
0: it. Holy man. Now, <laughs> now you're talking in the starter, uh, starter home price range. So am, am, yeah. am I right to assume that that's under $300,000, Scott?
3: Yeah. So that'd be probably, uh, we're kind of in the 250,000 to 300 price right. range. And, uh, and so... <laughs> And so when you look at it that way, you're pretty much adding 10 15% onto, uh, right. onto the original uh, price.
0: Yeah, that was sort of the math I was working on in my head there. And so when you when you start considering it and looking at it that way, it's a substantial, you know, it's not an upcharge, but, it, you know, a piece of real estate, two ways to look at it. A piece of real estate is only worth what somebody else is prepared to pay for mm-hmm. it. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you find something, uh, the advice I always got from my father-in-law, who was a realtor for a long time, was like, you, you put the number down because I think, that, well, I know the house I'm standing in now, 10 years ago, we were in the same situation. And basically his advice was put down the number that you feel comfortable paying mm-hmm. for the house and then you, you can't worry about anything else. Have you got some philosophies you're, you're creating when you're approaching this stuff, Scott?
3: Well, yeah, it's pretty similar. Like I, I think any, you kind of try to be a little strategic in terms of, you know, what's the possible, you know, eventually you're going to resell the house. And so to go, to go way, way, way over, you know, who knows if you're going to be able to make that, make that back when you, when you do sell. And so there's all these kind of like different advice and equations that kind of come into play, but I think the, I think the best piece of advice was exactly what you just said, Greg. It's like, it's just, you know, whatever you're, com- whatever you're comfortable with and, um, and hopefully you find, you know, you find the, the house that's, uh, that's, that's right for you. So, so hopefully that happens pretty soon. We'll see.
1: Scott, what's the current living situation for you? Are you live in an apartment? Yeah. Yeah. We rent in Woesley right now, so and like so you're and you haven't uh, submitted a, a move out date or anything yet like you're you're not in danger of of losing no. your home no
3: no so that that's working working for us right now and so i know a lot of people don't have that particular situation so we're pretty pretty fortunate to be able to uh, you know take our time and and find the place and the and hopefully the price that's that's right for us but uh so yeah we're but but it's kind of become like our new kind of overwhelming, <laughs> kind of become our new, we, I don't update my Instagram feed anymore. It's more so like refreshing the house listings page <laughs> on the internet because you're, you're, it's just kind of consuming you. You're looking for the next, uh, the next one. So
0: yeah well we, we you've got company and this isn't new this sort of restarted in the last year or so Winnipeg's market uh, someone's saying here they bought a house last September the ask was 260 the bid was 280 and they got it for a 750 Mm -hmm. square foot house. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, uh, somebody else here, I'll send you the MLS number here. Uh, our listener, Paul, he says, I got a great house in Wolseley on style street. It's waiting for a new owner. He sent me the MLS number. I'll forward it off to you, Scott.
3: Excellent. Yeah. would, would, (laughs) Would love any, uh, any hot leads you got for me.
1: Is there a particular area you're looking, like the the three offers that you put in, are they all sort of in the same area or are you looking anywhere in Winnipeg?
3: No, it, it's, it's pretty scattered, but you know, our lifestyle is, is more conducive to like a central location.
1: We, we enjoy
3: biking and walking and especially in this, in the summer. So, um, you know, m- more so those central areas just outside of the core, um, kind of St. Boniface, West End kind of areas. So, and, and I mean, you'll, you'll find, you'll find kind of like a lot of those starter size and starter price, price homes in those areas, which is, which is great. So,
0: Scott, well, thanks Angus. for being so frank with us and open with us, uh, Scott, <laughs> uh, you've really, yeah, I'm a, I'm uh, you've an really shed some an open light on book. this.
6: Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> you, you know, I,
3: you know, any sort of, uh, you know, maybe I can, uh, you know, if anybody's in the same position, you know, I, if I need any advice, feel free. <laughs> Support group. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. Scott
1: Angus. Thank you yeah. so much for joining us this morning, and good luck, man. Good luck. Hopefully, you get home soon.
3: Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it, and good luck to all the uh, the prospective uh, home buyers out there.
1: Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on vacation as we've been talking this morning a lot about real estate. We'll be talking more about real estate through the day here on CJOB. This morning, we've been asking you to share us your moving horror stories, your moving fail stories, because we are getting ready to move as a radio station, as a cluster of radio stations to 201 Portage at last. Our first CJOB will be there as of Sunday. But listen to this story, and this person is asked to remain nameless. I worked for a moving company. I went to help a friend and his new wife, in quotation marks, who never had a job, move from a trailer in a small town to a city apartment on a third floor. No elevator. Don't remember uh, which uh, part. He showed up at 7 a.m., both still sleeping. <laughs> Not one box packed at all. Kitchen counter, sink, table, absolutely full of dirty dishes, piled... Uh, cupboard high, at least two weeks' worth. It was a hot day. Nothing was ready or cleaned at this apartment, even though they had prior possession. Uh, I helped them pack dirty dishes and all. I did one load... Was not worth a couple pieces of pizza and one beer the wife begrudgingly ordered while we waited for our turn to use the unloading zone, uh, which was uh, a spot that had to be booked, so we kept getting kicked out. Did most of the unloading further down the street. I never went back, ever. They divorced a couple years later. No, I didn't help him move out. I am certain dirty <laughs> dishes were still in packed boxes. <laughs>
0: That is a detailed yeah. story. <laughs> Holy smokes. Uh, uh, did you get any sense of uh, whose side he was on in, in, in that whole relationship thing? It who sounds like the, he's not happy the with any of them.
1: I don't think he's, he's friends not, with this like, guy anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the worst.
1: When you help someone move and they're disorganized. Oh, man, I am neurotic mm-hmm. about that stuff. When I get myself, when I ask for help moving, I'll like, try to move as much of this stuff out as possible. So when, they sh- when my friends show up, you just got to pick up a few pieces of furniture and let's get out of here. This half hour, we start with something from an article which appeared in Vanity Fair last November, which features our next guest. For a small-town kid... Sean Watson has seen more of the world than he ever imagined. Like so many of you reading this, magic first captured his imagination as a child, where you could even say it saved him. And now he works tirelessly to pay it forward. Sean has performed on stages all around the world over the last 30 years, incorporating humor and his enticing personality into his performances, although it is the work he does with youth that is his true passion. When Sean isn't performing large scale illusions in corporate events, production shows, fairs, and festivals, he is busy touring schools all over North America, spreading his message of positivity in the face of adversity. And he knows adversity, Greg, firsthand.
0: We like pay it forward. We like passion. Let's find out about that adversity Sean has overcome in his quest for inspiring young people. Sean Watson joins us now. Good morning, Sean
5: good morning thank you uh, so much for having me it's a, it's an
0: honor well, thank you well we're, we're looking forward to our discussion also with us alan pitch of amazing entertainment he's here with us and alan you reached out to us and uh, i've been going back and forth with you so i'm gonna let you have the first uh, first little bit of airtime here before sean tells us about the adversities overcome alan give us your best 90 seconds on what Sean does now and why he's so inspiring. The clock starts ticking now.
4: Okay, well, it's good to be back on CGLB. I used to be a regular guest with Peter Warren, so we're going back a few years. And uh, when I first started my agency up here in uh, in Canada, I started in the States as well, then moved to back to Winnipeg. Uh, Sean was among the first stars of my roster um, when I was first starting out as a fledging uh, agency. And Sean, um, just uh, he, he, as, as a young performer, he just had a, a sparkling personality and a, a, a oodles of positivity. And just he's one of those people that can walk into a room and really take over a room really quickly. So uh, I, I had no uh, issues with signing him up. I've, I've had a few performers, I'll, I'll try and wind it up here. That uh, one of the things about being an agent, it's almost like you're a parent. Sometimes you. Uh, watch a young artist and then they have to hit the bigger stages they have to fly the coop so to speak well uh, Darcy Oak was with me uh, when he was a kid and uh, Sean as well um, he's a young adult now but he started out as a young performer and just quickly uh, whirlwind his way up the ladder and of course I was happy to see him get to the point where he was just too good and too big of an artist to stay in in our neck of the woods so to speak Um we we did do a lot of tours of Western Canada uh, with fairs and festivals, and uh, his career just really blossomed. And then at one point, it, you know, we we hug and shake hands and say, "Okay, go off to uh, bigger stages." Where he went and performed, headlining in Las Vegas and doing places like the New York State Fair and on and on. And um, it was a real surprise to get a phone call about to six weeks ago. From Sean, who I hadn't heard from in a long time, and uh, the only silver lining in this whole COVID pandemic from, for us was that Sean said, well, hey, I'm back in Canada and I'd love to, you know, get back with you and start doing shows again. So, uh, that's, that kind of sums it up. I I could go on and on, but I think that sums it up for where we're at right now.
1: That is indeed a solid pitch. Now, Sean, the article describes you as a small town kid. Which small town? <laughs>
5: Well, actually, I, I was born in Thompson, and then uh, my family uh, moved us uh, uh, when I was younger to Winnipeg. So, and then I spent, uh, they, I pretty much, I was born, uh, I was raised in Winnipeg. Yep.
1: Are they using, are they saying Winnipeg is the small town? Are they describing Winnipeg as a small town, Sean? <laughs>
3: Apparently they are, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's part of the image, right, Sean? It's, the, it's part of the mystery. It's part of the mystique of it all. The illusion,
5: yes, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, well, why not? Whatever worked for you, Sean. And uh, great to have you on radio here in Winnipeg. So take us back to your early years in school and tell us how you fell in love with magic. Yeah, so my
5: father actually um, works with a province, with the government, and he uh, stumbled upon Toad Hall Toys on his lunch break. And I've had a lot of, you know, issues with uh, myself uh, dealing with uh, model learning disabilities, such as ADHD. Um, I was, uh, I was bullied as a kid, obviously, and I had a speech impediment. And so uh, all these challenges. Um, so my dad always um, wanted something I could take to or grasp to kind of turn that switch in my head. Um, and I stumbled upon a toy store, toys, and it was actually a magic shop in the back. And he met this magician. The magician showed him a trick and then took it to uh, home and uh, showed it to me. And I was uh, fascinated. I was blown away. And uh, I just, uh, yeah, it was pretty much that one trick. Um, and then in uh, Darwin, Darwin school, obviously, um, I had some teacher's aides, uh, two of them. And they basically took me to a library. And they said, uh, pick out a book. And it was a magic book I picked out. And uh, I couldn't read it at all. You know, this was plastic. So it took me about a month to read this book. And I made it through it. And, uh, yeah. So basically joined a magic club called S.Y.M. in Winnipeg, and pretty much uh, the rest is history. So,
1: yeah. ADHD. Uh, did the magic help you with that?
5: Without a question, yeah. It changed my life, you know. Um, that's what I do today, actually, go going to schools uh, across North America and uh, really inspire kids to do, believe in themselves, uh, be everything they could be. Um, I explain my whole story. Uh, speech impediment, ADHD, being bullied. So it's anti-bullying school tour called Motivational Magic uh, Show. So,
0: yeah. That's powerful, uh, Sean. Yep. Speech impediment, dyslexia, ADHD. You mm-hmm. mentioned all three of those is something that you deal with. And then to yep. become a performer, to go out on stage, to put yourself out like that every single day as a way of making a living, it, it almost doesn't make any sense.
5: Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> it kind of doesn't in a way, but uh, yeah, when I hit the stage, you know, uh, um, I'm, I'm myself actually off stage. i as I'm on stage, I'm, I'm. But when I when I'm you know when I'm actually performing on stage, that's really I, my passion is really talking about my story and really being a strong performer and really connecting with the audience.
1: You know, I, I'm just
4: you
5: know,
1: yeah. So, Alan, pitch of amazing entertainment. What is it that has you extolling Sean's virtues today?
4: Well. Um, you know, when, when the pandemic first hit, um, like so many people, you can only imagine those of us in the arts and the entertainment industry. It was it was really, really, uh, I mean, it's terrible for everybody, but for uh, the first few weeks of the pandemic, my phone was ringing, 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 and an agent usually loves that. But in this case, it was ringing to tell me that every single event for the summer was being postponed or canceled. It was so it was just devastating. I mean we were going to we had performers lined up at the Red River X, the Morden and apple, the Morris Stampede, thousands of other events that make life so great here in Manitoba this We so look forward to our summers and these stellar events and uh you know what what to do now? Well, you know, I get the phone call from Sean, and both of us are kind of. <laughs> hugging each other and going, wow, look at what we're going through right now. And Sean as well had a, a quite a summer lined up. I know he was supposed to be at the New York State Fair and doing shows in Vegas and, you know, the regular summer stuff that mm. we still look forward to. Well, we both said, what can we do? What can we do? And then, you know what, uh, Sean said, you know what, why don't we do something to lift people's spirits? Why don't we sp- sp- uh, sp- send some goodwill out there? And why don't you call some of your better clients and offer them uh, a free visit. I'm calling it a COVID pick-me-up show. And uh, it'll introduce Sean back to the area as well as raise some spirits because we know that all companies, their, their team and their uh, employees are probably, you know, feeling the, 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 the weight of the pandemic. And this is something we can do. We know how entertainment and laughter are so important to the world. And I know people are, are missing these gatherings. I just know it. Every day, every day I talk to my customers and, and, and family and friends, and we are so missing the connection that you get and the thrill that you get from being in part of a large crowd and enjoying what a gifted performer like Sean can do. So this was just awesome. I've been uh, on the phone and emailing all my clients, and, you know, we're we're doing it in the next few weeks. We're doing a few... Uh, showcase free shows for uh, our good clients. It's my way of thanking them, but it's also uh, my and Sean's way of of letting people know, hey, you know, we're going through a tough time now, but let's keep laughing. Let's keep our spirits high. And uh, this is a, a goodwill gesture. Pay it forward, like Sean was saying.
0: Well, magic, illusion, uh, escape artistry—very synonymous with Winnipeg. Some of the very best ever have come from Winnipeg: Doug Hanning, Dean Gunnerson. Of course, you mentioned Darcy Oak now carrying that torch for Winnipeg and Manitoba. Sean, it's uh, great to have you included in that company. It must be uh, overwhelming sometimes when when you take a look back at the history of magic in Winnipeg. Harry Houdini performing—you uh, know—at uh, at the Winnipeg Free Press building once upon a time. It, rich yes, history yeah. here yes you know
5: and uh it, it's unbelievable i i can't believe I'm, I'm a part of uh legacy here in <laughs> winnipeg you know uh james ceiland another ma- uh gold medals champion and brian glow uh Darth, goes on Darth and on, o- on. O- you know Darth it's starts o- uh, <laughs> Darcy <of laughs> o- yoke o- yep yep Darcy's a buddy of mine actually we're really close so yep uh,
0: i forgot brian glow how could i forget brian brian apologies if you're yep. listening this morning <laughs>
4: and and Greg you know i i just may maybe it's possible to do this um we we are booked up now like my my clients have responded obviously very favorably but i would if it's possible like to offer uh, and you can organize it through CJLB one more company that would like to have their spirits lifted and uh, have a, a a little peek at what Sean can do uh, we'll gladly accept uh, we have room for one more company to come in. So I'll, I'll leave that in your hands if CJOB wants to organize that and offer it to the good folks here in Winnipeg, a company that has 25 or more employees. We'll be happy to slot one more uh, COVID pick-me-up show with Sean.
1: And if anybody wants to reach out to you directly to, uh, to organize that, how do they do that?
4: Absolutely. Um, our website is amazingentertainment.ca, and I can be phoned at 204 233 2184. That's 204 233 2184. And yes, we all have to. I've been saying to everybody, we got to. Uh, when people ask me how I'm doing right now, I say, well, I'm standing upright in this upside down world. And I think that's how we're going to get through this pandemic.
1: All right. Well, magician Sean Watson from Winnipeg. Alan Pitch from Amazing Entertainment. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. We very much appreciate this. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think,